Welcome to AFT in Action, a podcast for members of AFT Connecticut-affiliated local unions. We're approximately 30,000 working people in the public and private sectors, teachers and school support staff, nurses and healthcare workers, higher education faculty and public employees in nearly 90 unions across the state. The series provides a deeper dive into issues impacting our members and our movement as part of AFT Connecticut's engagement and communications efforts. Welcome, sisters and brothers, to another episode of AFT in Action. My name is Jan Hockadell, your State Fed President and your co-host for this latest episode. Today we are going to be discussing the struggles that are impacting our paraeducators and our school-related personnel, lovingly known as our PSRPs. And with me today to help facilitate the conversation is a young lady who has worked as a paraeducator in the Hartford Public School Systems for three decades, where she's also the long-serving president of her union, the Hartford Federation of Paraeducators. In addition, Shelley Davis is also AFT Connecticut's divisional vice president for PSRPs, a delegate to the AFT Program and Policy Council for PSRPs, and the president of the Greater Hartford Area Labor Federation for AFL-CIO. Welcome, Shelley. Tell us what it's like to be a PSRP right now. It is challenging. We are understaffed. We have a workload with more responsibilities. We are stretched thin, and not everyone has the support they need. We have many health and safety issues within our schools. It's a struggle, but we're staying strong. I know you are working very, very hard on this, and you had a bill that came out last year that you're also working hard on, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. We have had challenges, but we also have had progress at the local and state levels. We've had 15 PSRP locals secure new contracts since August 2020. We also have formed a Board of Education Union to include all major unions representing non-certified public school staff. In fact, Jim, we are having a joint union forum with the Commissioner of Education October 25th. Looking forward to it. We have also won the passage of the social-emotional learning law. You are one busy lady. And to join us in the conversation, we are so fortunate to have Representative Bobby Sanchez. Representative Sanchez has served on quite a few boards in New Britain, including the Board of Education, the Human Rights Commission, and the Housing Coalition. And Congratulations, he just won the Democratic Party primary election for mayor of New Britain. And in addition, he's been serving the 25th Assembly District in New Britain since 2011 and currently co-chairs the Legislative Education Committee as well as the Housing and Finance and the Revenue and Bonding Committees. Welcome, Representative Sanchez. Thank you for having me here today. I'm looking forward to this conversation with you, Jan, and with Shelley. So before we get into our members' questions, can you just share, you know, what inspired you to choose a career in public service? Well, I was a preschool teacher for 20 years with the Head Start program. You know, I've always admired working with children and with families. It's a field that um, I decided to continue my education in, so I, I, I have my um, bachelor's and master's in human services. Um, I've been in the field for almost 40, or maybe even over than 40 years. Um, I could have done other things, but it's something that's a passion that I had. Um, I just would like to see the well-being and, um, the, you know, a quality education for all our kids. I want all our, our, our children in the state of Connecticut to have um, a great education and move on and be able to do what they want to do after they graduate from school, if it's going to college or, um, you know, take a trade. Um, 
and I think that we owe that to them, and the state of Connecticut owes that to them. And um, I've seen the struggles in the city of New Britain for so many years, um, even when I was a preschool teacher, and um, I decided that um, I needed to do much more than that. And so in 2011, I um, went on to run for, in a special election for state rep, and uh, as soon as I became a state rep, I was trying to get on the education committee because I knew that would be my passion. Um, it took me about a year. I think it, I think it was in 2012 when they actually had me go on to the education committee. And then not too um, long after that, um, I was the vice chair of the committee. Representative Sanchez, congratulations on your primary election win. Can you share your experience running for mayor of New Britain? I was born and raised in the city of New Britain and went to schools there. And so there are, I'm running into a lot of individuals throughout the city as I door knock um, that know me and um, really would like to see me be the next mayor. And particularly families that have ki children in the, the school system uh, because they feel that the um, classrooms are too overcrowded. Um, they feel that our um, current mayor um, just constantly attacks the staff and attacks um, the superintendent um, instead of being proactive and working with the educational system. Um, so it, it, it's something that I hear constantly at the doors that we need to do better for our educational system and for our kids. And so um, uh, that's one of my um, uh, you know, platforms. Another issue is class, the classroom sizes, you know, 25 to 30 children in a classroom. I could imagine, as a preschool teacher with 20 children in a classroom, it was difficult. Um, now imagine 25, 30 students in middle school or in high school. So um, lots of um, negotiating, lots of um, work to do, but I am up to the challenge. I'm sure you are aware that the members that I've spoken to are very, very supportive. As you know, we represent both the teachers and the paraeducators in New Britain, so we're very excited for you. So um, the pandemic clearly had an effect in our school systems, as you know, had a big effect in the legislature. You know, can you share how the Education Committee went through last year, what the changes were, what the challenges were? It was really difficult for me because and my, and my co-chair because, of course, we had to hold all our meetings and it had to be through Zoom. So we had technical difficulties at times connecting. Um, to try to get everyone at the same time and, and, and try to bring up a schedule where we can get all the committee members on was really difficult. Um, and I'm a type of person, uh, I, I'm not too good at technology, <laughs> but, and, and I just don't like um, being on Zoom. It, it's just not what I like to do. I like to be in a room and face-to-face um, you know, -face, um, and be able to um, work with the committee members. Um, we did get our chances every now and then um, to sit down face-to-face -face or, or through Zoom to meet the, um, the executive um, um, committee of the, of the um, education committee um, with the ranking members and the, and the chairs and the vice chairs. And so um, fortunately, we were able to look at every bill that was submitted. There was um, over 400 bills submitted. But we did the work because um, I truly believe that everyone's ideas um, needs to be looked into. We need to be able to, um, uh, you know, um, be able to negotiate and, and compromise on certain things. And we did. Um, 
And um, because of that, I believe that our education committee is one of the top committees up there at the state capitol. Um, we don't have a lot of infighting. We, we, we work together. We agree to disagree and respectfully move on. Um, I know that there are certain bills that um, you know, the, the Republicans are not going to like, but um, that's okay. You know, like I said, we agree to disagree, but we, we move forward. And, um, and a number of very important bills that came out this year, and um, mostly based, based on equity, because um, we have some issues with equity in our systems mm -hmm. throughout the state of Connecticut. And, um, but we, you know, we did the best we can. And I'm hoping that this pandemic just goes away so that next year we can go back to normal. <laughs> I think we all want some type of normal pack. So real quickly, as a follow-up, um, do you believe that your committee's work this winter and spring made this fall's back-to-school safer and smoother for all of our educators? You know, I believe we did our best. Um, we worked with um, the State Department of Education. We were constantly back and forth with the commissioner, um, Miguel Cardona, who was taken away yes. by the Biden administration. <laughs> um, he's in a good place. Um, and then uh, with Dr. Tucker, I mean, we we you know and we constantly even now as we're off um we during the summer we're talking about what what are the glitches in the system what's going on um what are you hearing you know are uh, um the para the paraeducators and the teachers um are they okay do they feel safe in the classroom and so we're in constant um you know talking over the phone and on zoom um, and having certain meetings at the Capitol um, just to see how things are going. And, um, and I've also reached out to the governor's office as well to find out what, he, what is he seeing and, um, and where can we improve. Um, we all know that there's a lot of ESSER and ARPA dollars that came in. Um, New Britain alone has about, I think it was almost $72 million additional. So, my, you know, my talks with... Um, the superintendent of schools in New Britain has been, well, are we hiring more social workers? Are we hiring more um, paraeducators? Are we hiring more teachers? Um, and we know this is just a two to three year fix, but our hope is that as we move down, down in the upcoming years, um, if we see these, um, these additional personnel and additional programs are actually working, then we need to focus on how we're going to fund them moving forward. Representative Sanchez, let's talk about a provision in the new social and emotional law passed this year that impacts paraeducators, specifically the para-advisory council recommendations. What are your hopes and what can be accomplished for this? When it comes to paraeducators, um, I believe it was under one of our superintendents, um, uh, uh, Superintendent Cooper, where he did a massive layoff that year, and about 95 paraeducators were laid off, which was devastating, because I, I had talked to a number of them, um, people that I've known, and I, and I was actually, a, um, the preschool teachers or some of their kids. Um, and um, it, it was something that I could not understand. Uh, I know there was a flat funding of, of funds in the city, at the city level. Um, and they had no choice, but paraeducators are so important um, in the classroom. And there are times that the paraeducator is actually running the classroom when the teacher has to step away to, an, uh, to, you know, to a PPT or an IEP or, or do something other than be in the classroom. 
and um, and I don't think they get uh, enough credit. And I think that we, I would hope that this advisory council will look at ways to support them um, because some of these paraeducators are going to school, they want to get certified, they want to be teachers. Um, I want to see a, uh, a clear path and an easier path to, to certification for paraprofessionals, paraeducators. And, um, and I believe we can do that. And, I've, and we have started that process this year um, along with the minority teacher recruitment bill as well where we added some additional dollars for the residency program. So it's my hope that many of these paraeducators will take advantage of that. And I would hope that the local school systems throughout the state of Connecticut would focus on hiring more paraeducators because they're needed in the classroom. I love what you just said. And I think that the para bill is going to address a lot of the issues um, that folks may not know about. The low wages, um, sometimes no health care, the hours and the working conditions that these true professionals really need to have resolved. So we really thank you um, for the work that you did on the paraeducator bill. People will say, well, this is this all cost and, and that's additional dollars that you would have to allocate into education. Um, this is one of the reasons why I'm running for mayor. It's because I have not seen this happening in the city of New Britain. Flat funding for um, through two of the last administrations, um, almost, um, we're talking about 16 years of flat funding. Um, it's just wrong. Um, and this is why we can't retain paraeducators and we can't retain um, teachers because if they can find a job elsewhere where they can get health insurance, where they can get a um, livable wage, um, that makes a difference. And so this is what we have to do. We're looking at people that are educating our children. That is the most important thing that we can have in, 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 in any local school system. So we definitely need to um, really look at our budget responsibilities and not just at the city levels we asked also the state the state needs to do a little better as well and um, I think with the ECS um, funding the additional dollars that we put forward on um, the last two years and this um, year everyone knows the governor wanted to flat fund um, education we at the legislature said absolutely not we're going to move forward with funding um, we have to do better and there are many cities and towns that need the additional dollars in order for us to provide these services and to make sure that our staff are getting the health insurance and getting the, um, livable, the livable wages that they absolutely deserve. Thank you so much for that. How do you believe union members can help support the work of the Pair Advisory Council going forward? Um, get together <laughs> whenever there's an advisory council meeting, be there, represent, let them know um, what are the issues um, going on within your own town. Um, how can not only the city that you work for um, can improve, but also how can the state improve? I would also hope that there are um, maybe members from the State Board of Education that are involved in the advisory. Um, council, and uh, that are there are other stakeholders as well, so that the word can get out, and whatever you are trying to put together, um, move forward with that, and um, 
make sure that people are um, understanding what the issues are at the local level and um, and how we can improve um, moving paraeducators to uh, you know getting um, certified and um, getting a livable wage and helping them with health insurance and other issues that are that arise. So Representative Sanchez, let's finish up by looking ahead to 2022. Can you share with us some of the thoughts and what you expect is going to come out of the Education Committee as priorities for next year? I don't think that, you know, this is going to be the first pandemic. Um, I hope there's no other one in my lifetime, <laughs> but, but we all have to prepare. We can't let um, go on what happened this past year. Uh, where kids were without laptops, they were there was no connectivity. Um, there were so many issues at hand, um, and we're gradually getting there. We're fixing them, but that being said, we know that when we come back in 2021, um, uh, next year, 2022, um, next session, there are going to be a lot of um, discussion around what happened um, this past year. Um, one other thing that We'll probably come back. Um, we will be talking about, of course, climate change. Um, I've been hearing a lot about climate change. Um, I also have been hearing a lot about remote learning. Um, I did visit a school up in Massachusetts not too long ago. I saw how they're doing things. I know there is a big concern here in Connecticut about teachers doing both remote learning and um, having a, a children in front of the classroom. Um, we don't want to see that. If there's going to be any remote learning, it's going to be a specific where the teacher is just going to do the remote learning and not have a, a, a classroom or kids in, in physically in, in the classroom and doing both things. It just That's just crazy. Representative Sanchez, thank you so much for joining us as a guest, for answering our members' questions, but also for your advocacy and all the work that you're doing, like you said, on behalf of all of our members and the children in the state of Connecticut. And um, as we said before, we pledge to continue encouraging our members to get out there and help you with your mayoral race. Good luck. Thank you. I know that it's, it's going to be an uphill battle, but we can, we can do it. We can do it. Absolutely. And thank you, Shelley, for co-hosting, engaging in the discussion with Representative Sanchez, and for advocating so fearlessly and engaging our PSRPs in assuring safe working conditions and really just being a labor champion overall. And good luck to you in your upcoming election as AFL-CIO Vice President. Thank you both. Thank you, Jan, and thank you, Representative Sanchez. Thank you for lifting up the role of paraeducators. And as always, I want to thank our members for all that they do and for listening to this latest episode. And for our next topic, we'll start a series of conversations on how special interest groups are trying to score political points over the so-called critical race theory. And we'd love to hear from our members, especially social studies classroom teachers. So please send your comments by email to actnetreply at aftct.org. That's A-C-T-N-E-T-R-E-P-L-Y at sign A-F-T-C-T dot org. Or if you prefer, you can leave a voice message for us by dialing 860-257-9782 and asking for extension 116. That's 860-257-9782. Thank you. That's a wrap for this latest edition of AFT in Action. Additional episodes are available at our Podbean page and social media channels, all of which can be found at aftct.org. Like what you heard? Then share with fellow members and encourage they give it a listen too and help build the power of the UNI in union.